Welcome to the Healthy Christian Project. I'm joined today by Dr. Walid Gharib. Um, so he's a cardiologist who is in the USA, and he's also a servant of the Lord. He has an active and ongoing ministry on social media. If you're ever on Facebook and you see any of those reels that say the Bible is for reels, that's him. Um, and he also has a, has a not bad sense of humor. Uh, um, so, Walid, I have, a, I have a dad joke for you. Oh, I'm um, ready. Let's go. Yeah. So yesterday my wife purchased a world map and then she gave me a dart and she said, wherever you throw this dart is where we're going to spend vacation for the next two weeks. So it turns out we're going on vacation behind the fridge. Behind the what? Oh, wow. Behind okay, the okay, fridge. Gotcha. I got you. Okay. That's a pretty good one. I like that one. That's really nice. Right, so glad. Do you have any for us? Oh, dad jokes? Oh, there's always some or the other. So um, let's think here. What was the most recent one I've heard? There was, um, are you familiar with, uh, with uh, Mike Tyson? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if you're aware about this. So do you know Chris Hemsworth, the actor? Yeah, yeah. In a lot of the Marvel movies, he actually—I don't know whenever. I don't know if you realize this, but whenever he was training for his uh, for his roles, he actually hired a lot of personal trainers, and among them was Mike Tyson. He was actually the last one, right before he actually went on the movie, and you know, right before he was there, Mike actually came up to him. He's like, "Hey, man, I'm real proud of you. Tomorrow, you're going to be Thor in the morning." <laughs> 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 okay. It's a pretty bad one, but I like it. <laughs> anyway. that is, that's not bad. That's not bad. There you All go. Right. Um, so, so today's topic is actually pretty interesting, and perhaps it may be a trigger for some people who, who essentially live in the gym, exercise often, and they work hard for their bodies. But it also may be a sensitive topic for people who are just kind of starting to think about exercising. And of course, I don't want to scare anyone off here, but just to invite some critical reasoning, critical thinking about the reason why we do things in the first place. So, okay, Ulit, I've talked to a lot of people about their goals and what drives them to start exercising and start working out and, and getting a fitness routine going. For, for example, when someone comes to me and their goals are to lose weight, Normally, the reason for it is one of three things. And of course, the list is much longer. But generally, when people come to me, these are what I hear. Number one, there's a health issue or something they need to deal with. And their doctor told them to start living a healthier lifestyle. Number two, they're insecure and they want to be a little bit more confident. And number three, they're going on vacation and they want to look attractive or want to look hot. So particularly with the last one. The main reason a lot of people exercise today seems to be to look better. And that's also because of the standards that are set on social media. So, for example, if men don't have a six-pack, they're unattractive. If girls aren't snatched, they don't have the ideal body, they're also not attractive. So, question one. Are these kinds of goals a pathway to sin? Well, I think that essentially you have to go down, as you kind of mentioned, to the core of everything you do. What is the purpose of anything you do, whether it be exercise or anything else? And based on the real intention, the real drive behind anything is going to determine whether it's sin, right? So um, the Bible tells us that whether we eat or we drink or whatever we do, which is going to include, obviously, exercise and the goal of making our bodies a little more healthy, um, do all to the glory of God, right? So 
again, exercise, it falls into that category of the things we do, family life, work life, social life, and the exercise is going to affect it some ways better, some ways worse, right? Mm -hmm. So while everything we do doesn't necessarily have to be attached to the ministry or evangelism, it has to be done for the glory of God. And I think if you begin to glorify your body, right, when you begin to look at your body being fit or being attractive to others as the ideal goal, it can almost become an idol in your life. And if it's an idol in your life and takes your focus away from the service of God, rather than using your health or your beauty or whatever it may be to glorify God, then yes, it certainly can lead you to sin, but not necessarily in the way that a lot of people think. You know, I don't think spending that kind of time there is a problem. So do you think there's a way that if we start exercising for the reason of, of glorifying our body and then shift the focus, is there, is there a way to shift the focus from ourselves onto God? Well, you know, I, I, if you think back to the early church, you know, they don't really talk. There, there's some conversation in the Bible about, you know, exercise, running the race, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. And but Timothy. We, and... Yes, exactly. And Timothy and then also in Corinthians. Um, but the idea is, there is a lot of talk that Jesus gives us about kind of uh, bringing your mind or your spirit under the subject um, to, to, to be the one in control rather than letting your physical body be in control. And part of the conversation there has to do with fasting, right, where you talk about prayer and fasting and essentially taking a more active role in uh, disciplining your body. And in a similar sense, not exactly the same way, I'm not equating fasting to exercise, but you probably know regular exercise does take a good bit of discipline, take some discipline over your body. And even when you don't feel like doing things, you do it. You know, we are supposed to be in control of our bodies because what is the purpose of our bodies? We're supposed to be temples of the Holy Spirit. God is to dwell in us. And just like we would take care of a room we had to live in, what are we doing with the bodies that God gave us? Now, again, I'm not saying he looks on the outward appearance, but there is something to be said about carrying a good uh, self-image so that you can be confident to get out there and do the work of God, get out there and share the good news of Christ. So I think it does have a lot to do, again, with what are you doing with the gift God gave you? And if that gift is health and being able to take care of your body, are you using that for the glory of God? And yes, shifting that focus from you know, self-attractiveness into glorification of God, age is going to do a lot of that because it also has to do also with maturity as you begin to realize the things of this world are not as significant as the things of the world to come. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's First Corinthians. Um, I don't know specifically what chapter, but where Paul says, therefore I make my body my slave or I put my body under subjection to do what I want it mm -hmm. to do. Um, so that's, that's a sense of that discipline that you're talking about. And I have a question for you. Sure. How, how can we exercise without the need to glorify ourselves, without the need to glorify our own self image or our own confidence? I think again, this comes, uh, also, and I, this can be expanded to so many things beyond exercise is how are you starting your day? What is it when you wake up in the morning? And you look at the day that's before you. A lot of people want to make a list of their to-do list. If your morning starts with quiet time, meditation, reading the word of God, maybe even uh, spending time asking God, what is your will for me today? I think it's important to schedule daily exercise, physical exercise time. 
but never at the expense of God's work. So whenever you get up in the morning and you say, God, I want to glorify you today. Use me where I need to go. I think that part of your exercise regimen should begin with prayer time. I think whenever I think that should be true for anything, whether you go to work in the morning, doesn't have to necessarily just be exercise, but your day at work at a secular job, just to pay the bills, as we call it, should be seen as a ministry. And if your exercise, if, if keeping your body uh, in shape is being used to glorify God, start that with some prayer. Start that with some quiet time, reading the word, make it part of your gym routine. If I go to the gym physically to some other gym and I don't have something in my house, Park the car, sit down for five minutes before you go in and give that time to God. Put in some worship music, right? And when you see somebody, always be ready, I think, to share the gospel, share the good news. Let people see the joy in your life and let them know, you know, this is who I live for. And sometimes that means you may have to skip leg day or may skip the gym <laughs> if God directs you to talk to someone over out there in the uh, parking lot or wherever. But just make sure that the exercise itself is never the complete goal. It's the glorification of God. And I don't think you're going to find anywhere in the Bible where God is going to say, no, I want you to let your body to be disregarded and not taken care of and not, you know, kept healthy. I don't think you'll find that anywhere in Scripture. But just like Paul says, where you had mentioned, I think it was in 1 Corinthians 9, where he talks about, you know, like I said, running the race and keeping your mm -hmm. body under subjection. You have to keep a healthy body in order to do the things you need to do. And we have other references in the body where he talks about good eating habits, maybe uh, dealing with some of the uh, maladies that some of the different uh, early Christians and even in the Old Testament had and keeping your body healthy in other ways. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting that you say starting off your, your workouts and your, your exercise with prayer. Um, the reason I think that is, at least for, for my clients, I give them like a, a journal and before the exercise, before their workout actually starts, I schedule in five minutes. I have a little devotional there set for them. Read that, spend some time with God, pray before you exercise. Wonderful. What are the benefits to that? Well, again, it gives you quality and uh, clarity of what you're doing here. We as Christians and as humans in general, we have a tendency to worship things. All right, so to just kind of take it seemingly on a totally different rabbit trail, you think about God himself. God throughout the Bible, he, you know, in the Old Testament, they had, you know, images of, uh, of angels and things drawn around the temple. And we get to the New Testament, we have four different gospels that tell us the life of Christ, yet never once does he talk about him physically. Because what would happen if we actually saw Jesus physically as a human? We've seen the glorified Christ, of course, in Revelation. But if we had a good description from a biography, which is essentially what the Gospels are of his ministry, logically you would think we would have some description of what he looked like. But instead, you don't see that. And I believe one of the reasons for that is that we would tend to make a statue, make a picture, do some kind of image of him and then begin to associate worship with him with the image. And I think that becomes a problem with us as Christians as we begin to think of places being where God is dwelling or where he is more active. So we need to be more pious there. But with exercise, again, we got to make sure exercise isn't the idol. Whatever it is that we put before us cannot be the idol. And if your day is more centered around making the exercise happen, 
rather than doing the work of God, I believe it becomes an idol. And I think that's going to, you know, be something that people have to be careful with because if it's not exercise, it's work. It, it can even be family. So starting your exercise routine without that daily devotional, that should actually make you feel something is wrong with today. Something is wrong with my exercise today. If that time with God is not missed, you may be missing the point. So it can mm. be attached. You know, I love going to church, but it can't just be about the social aspect. I love, you know, seeing my family. It can't just be about the familial aspect. We all are here for a much greater purpose. So whatever we do, again, back to that same verse, do all things to the glory of God. So take that exercise into a time of praising the Lord because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah, so based on that, there. so I did some research. I was reading a book. It's called Devotional Fitness. And it gave kind of three views um, to the way we as, we as Christians see our body and our soul. The first view apparently is saying that the body and soul are separate entities and we should focus on the soul rather than the body. Um, in fact, we should suppress the body because our bodies are sinful, because the body is threatening, unruly, irrational. It's essentially seen as the flesh. Then there's the other side of it, number two, which is there's too much regard um, for our flesh because our flesh is, it's the site of the sacred where, where we, our spirit resides and what we experience in our body is how we relate to God, how we relate to the divine. And then the third view is you kind of see those two as one, whereas the body, it's not disregarded because it's certainly important. It's certainly a temple of the Holy Spirit, yet we also have to subdue it and not to live unhealthy and sinful appetites and live in the flesh. So of those views, which one do you think that we should identify with? I think it would make the most ideal sense to be in the third view, but I do think that we tend to fluctuate between the different views. So there are many times where our bodies and our spirits are in conflict with one another, right? Whenever you think about Paul talking about the spiritual warfare that we face, there is spiritual warfare from outside, but also talking about how he gets very frustrated with his personal desires, which things that he knows to be wrong. And talking about, again, bringing his body into subjection. Jesus actually makes a reference to how can two walk in a way unless they are agreed how much more productive would we be in our personal lives and in our physical lives and whatever we would be if our minds and our spirits were of the same mind? If we are born again believers, that means that our spirit is brought to life. Yes, we still live in dying bodies and one day Jesus will take us and will glorify our bodies as well. But until that day, we have to deal with these bodies. We have to deal with the frustrations, the failing health, whatever it may be. So you can't be a double-minded man. You can't, you'd be unstable in all your ways. If today the flesh wins and tomorrow the spirit wins, that's not going to work. Somebody has to run the show. So it would be far better for us to allow our spiritual bodies, which are under the reviving or the quickening of the Holy Spirit, brought back to life and focused on eternal things, to keep that body under subjection. And when we see our bodies winning, whenever we see our bodies making themselves the goal, because the spirit always looks to Christ. 
the body always looks to self unless the body is following the lead of the spirit. So I stick with that third view mainly where we should see everything as one package deal and we await the glorification of this body so we no longer have to struggle against it. But when our bodies get out of line, we need to bring them back into subjection again through prayer, fasting, spiritual discipline, things of that nature. Okay, so so let's say that I'm living by that third view and I decide I'm going to I decide I'm going to go and and run a marathon and I, I decide I'm going to run that marathon. I finish the marathon. I'm proud of myself, right? I just, I just hit this amazing achievement, ran 21 kilometers, whatever, maybe I'll say half a marathon. I can't run a full one, but I ran 21 kilometers. Is that pride in my achievement a sin? I don't think that's a sin at all. I think it's uh, it's God wants us to make an achievement, right? He wants us to achieve things as we go through life. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being proud of your own accomplishments and being proud of other people's accomplishments. You know, we're supposed to lift one another up and whatever that may be, we encourage one another. So I don't see that as a prideful thing. You know, I think that as uh, um, essentially more of a, a self-worth, a self-value. Um, and as long as that, again, doesn't become your idol, I would strongly encourage an attitude of thanks to everyone, right? To think that we have accomplished anything on our own. We need to remember who gave our lungs the ability to breathe, right? Who gave our muscles the ability to grow and to perform. And I think that admiring and being grateful for your accomplishments gives God the credit that he is due. You know, look at, uh, as again, maybe a slightly unrelated rabbit hole, look at <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, right? King of Babylon, one of the first great world leaders. He looked at all of his accomplishments and he was very impressed with himself. God didn't come along and say, how dare you be impressed with yourself? He says, just remember who gave you all of these kingdoms. All Nebuchadnezzar had to do to maintain his power through the end of his life was just that he's still the king, right? He's still the king of the world. All he had to do was give God the credit for what he had accomplished. Know that God gave him all the kingdoms of the world. And of course, in his own stubbornness, he chose to begin make himself the idol, right? Began to look at himself and saying, look how wonderful I am. And then all of a sudden, all that was taken away from him. And that's the whole idea is if your focus leaves an attitude of thankfulness for God, then then it becomes pride. Up until then, you're just proud of your accomplishments. Again, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but give God the glory. Give him the thanks for the things that you were able to do. Mm -hmm. I think, though, that's the hard part, you know, because oh, yeah. you're out here. You're like, wow, I just did this. I was able to do this. I was able to discipline my body. How on earth do we shift the focus to God? That's a wonderful question because it's, it's a hard line to, to walk. And I really do believe that that is where priorities lie. When Whenever you begin to find yourself very pleased with yourself, you think about those passages that talk about how pride comes before a fall. We mm -hmm. think about how God resisteth the proud, gives grace to the humble. Grace to the humble. Um, you, you know, you can, we have so many examples to pull from, from the Old Testament and things like that. You look at where Samson was the most effective 
and where Samson was the least effective, Samson being the strong man of the Old Testament. You know, he uh, he made a lot of, you know, what we would consider somewhat foolish decisions at points in his life. And it led to destruction, devastation, loss, right? People being hurt. And then when he was at his weakest, he actually, and the Bible tells us, he actually destroyed more of God's enemies or the people of God's enemies in his death than in his life. And that was when he was at his weakest from a strength perspective. Our accomplishments, everything we have, again, we need to stop each day, have, and I believe, I think one of the things that can help with this is a set prayer time and a set prayer model where it always starts with thanks to God, where it always starts with glorification of God, thanks to him, and then our own situation far lower. Because we tend to, when most people pray, they tend to have this laundry list of things they need. Hey, God, take care of my kids, take care of my job, take care of this, take Mm -hmm. care of that, take that. And then they'll say, forgive us for our sins, and then move on. How about praising God for everything you're proud of, everything you have? If you have, you know, a decent job and money in the bank, praise the Lord. It's not because I'm smart and I've accomplished this. It's because God has allowed this. Everything is God's. Your health belongs to God. He gives us breath. In him, we have our being, right? Everything about it comes from him. So when we take the time to give God the glory, we then begin to shift the focus away from ourselves because we will always, we are so prone to idol worship. If you don't believe me, read anywhere you want in the Old Testament or look (laughs) at yourself. Yes, you're going to find yourself falling into those situations all the time. So again, I would say, when you look at Paul, when you look at Peter, when you look at when they even fell to pride, it was because they took their eyes off Christ, right? Um, Peter could walk on water when his eyes were on Christ. You want to win a marathon? Try walking on water, run across the sea. As long as his eyes was on Christ, he was able to do it. But as soon as he looks around, sure, he realizes what's going on and down into the water he goes. So keeping that Christ-centered approach every day, all the day, that is what I believe is the key just to reducing the chance of self-worship. And I think that's the problem that we're all, we're all always in danger of because of our humanity. I think so too. Random question, random. Sure. Um, you talked about Samson. Who do you think would win in a fight, Samson or WWE superstar John Cena? <laughs> well... I guess it would depend on whether the spirit of the Lord was within Samson. So if the spirit of the Lord is within Samson, John Cena doesn't stand a chance. But don't let my son hear you say that. He's a big fan of John Cena. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe we should switch topics before he hears anything. <laughs> okay, so so if if I start exercising right now for the reason of of looking better and feeling better and being more confident but I do that with an attitude of praise for the body God gave me mm-hmm. and for the abilities that I have. Does that mean that I'm less likely to kind of fall into that temptation of pride? Well, you know, I think, again, it's a, it's a person-to-person thing, and the attitude of thankfulness makes a big difference. But you still have to come down to the core of yourself and asking, what am I doing with the gifts God gave me? Why, at the end of the day, if God has blessed me with the ability and the drive and the willpower and I've been able to overcome, you know, my laziness or whatever it may be, whatever that barrier is, if I've overcome, what am I going to do now that I'm a healthier person? 
if being healthier, if being able to speak better, right, taking public speaking courses, whatever you may do, having financial blessings, what are you doing with it? Are you serving God? Are you trying to figure out better ways to serve God? If I get healthy for the sake of enjoying what I see in the mirror, then what good does that do anyone? But if I get healthy to say when I go out and I'm going to, I'm going to, in your case, you know, I know you do a lot of, you know, personal training, trying to help people get on this path to health. You have made, from what I can tell, uh, Christ kind of be the center it's as, as almost this is a type of ministry where you're trying to reach people with the message of Christ, but using the physical health to get you there. That's a wonderful thing. But if ever it becomes, you know what, I can get I can get twice as many subscribers if I just spend time focusing on their bodies and letting them, you know, show them the before and after pictures. That's what it's all about. If my before and after after any encounter with anyone. If the before and after is that they are just as lost and hellbound as they were before I met them, then I have failed. It's not your job to save anyone. That's the job of Christ. But it is your job to use whatever gifts God has given you. So why, mm -hmm. what are you going to do, I should say, with this better health that you now have? What is your purpose every morning when you get up? It's not to look better in the mirror. It's to live a longer, healthier God-honoring life so that when people look at you, they'll say, wow, he's going to tell me about my spirit and he doesn't even care about himself. He's going to try to tell me about the importance of living forever and he doesn't even take any time for personal health. Those things can be drawbacks as much as it seems very superficial, uh, you know, very shallow to think about that. But whenever you have a physically healthy body, people are more apt to hear what you have to say. When you've taken care of yourself, when you comb your hair, Right. Even Jesus talks about, you know, when you're fasting, don't ever look like you're sick and ill and not feeling well. Look like you're perfectly healthy, feeling good. Get out there and don't let anyone know the struggles you have. So physical appearance does have an effect and physical health does have an effect. Discipline within your body usually translates to discipline within your spirit for those who are spiritually minded. Mm -hmm. And I think based on when I'm speaking to, to say someone who wants to start exercising, I have a little bit of criteria to determine what, why they want the goals that they want. And so it's simple. Children do this all the time. Have you ever been with your kid and they just keep asking why? Like, why? My kids? Why no. this? No. <laughs> all the time. All the time. But, you know, that actually works because, like, let's say, let's say you want to lose 10 pounds. Okay, why? Um, so I can feel more confident why and you keep asking why and why and why and then you finally get to that root reason mm. and that root reason is what's driving most people and and i think in a way that root reason we can test to see whether that is a reason that we want to serve god and honor god and glorify god or whether we want to serve ourselves and glorify ourselves right. so ultimately you have to be honest with yourself because i think we love tricking ourselves into thinking that what I'm doing is for God, even when it's not. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's a, that's a great, great way to look at it because everyone likes to justify. We love to justify whatever we want. You know, no, I, I want this because, you know, 
I can use that. I want to win the lottery because then I can use that money. So uh, to I give bless to a lot of homeless people. people. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We we all justify whatever it is we look for. And the thing is, most things aren't necessarily sinful, but anything can become sinful, right? Whatever you know, the Bible talks about whenever something is sinful to you. It may not be listed as a sin, but if you feel that it's sinful and you do it anyway, then it becomes a sin. Mm-hmm. And nothing in your life should have a higher priority than God. You know, that's of the Ten Commandments, right? So God should always be the number one priority. That's from the first of the commandments, the first four, talking about honoring Jesus or honoring God um, in particular. And it's just whenever anything else drives you what that core reason behind what you're doing if it's about you know some kind of self-glorification pleasing someone else then you're missing the point you're missing the point of what this life is because i would argue to anyone who puts beauty and charm as this high pedestal and they're looking for someone who's equally you know as hard working and self you know uh, disciplined and keeping their health and they want someone beautiful to spend their life with, for example, go to any nursing home and tell me who you'd pick, right? You know, what does the Bible tell us uh, way back in the Old Beauty Testament? Beauty is deceitful. Proverbs, yes, charm, it says that... Charm is vain or one of yeah, those Yeah, exactly. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to, be, to be praised, praised. right? And uh, again, this kind of applies in, uh, I think it's First Peter, he talks about how we, as Christians, it's not about outward decoration. It's not about how we look on the outside. It's about where we at on the inside. So when we are spiritually sound, when you have purpose, when you have value that comes from Christ, then all of that other purpose, it's important. It's important to, you know, be again, to live healthy. But where is your true value? What is the real core? I'm a born again child of God. I am a child of a king. I am a prince. So because I am that, I need to start living in a way that reflects that. If you want to begin to drive yourself because of the right uh, motivation, it's to remember who you are in Christ. And then once you realize that I am a child of a king, that means I am a representative of the king of kings here on this earth. Well, how would a representative behave themselves? Would they take care of their bodies would they shave would they you know fix their hair if they had any i don't have that, that problem a beard comment <laughs> yeah know, right but no so you know would you take care of your body if you knew you were going to come up and be like a liaison to america or to canada or wherever you may be you should if you don't but you should and that's kind of the idea is what is that real drive behind you and your motivation has to be who you are in christ and that's where your self-worth has to come or you're always going to have fluctuations when you're having a good day or you're having a good season in your life and you're physically fit, you're going to feel great. And then something bad happens. You let it go for a few months. You're all of a sudden in this, you know, self-disgusted mode. No, we are in Christ. Let's use that to keep us on the right track. And when we fail, mm-hmm. find get back on track with Christ first and then follow through with the rest of it with our health. Mm-hmm. And I think for those people who are, actually honest with themselves and not trying to deceive themselves and for those people who who have done who who find the core reason and realize you know what i'm i think this is actually about me rather than about glorifying god i think that when you're honest with yourself and you submit that to god god has a way of changing those desires um for example in my own life 
I know the reason I started exercising. It was so that I could have a six pack so that <laughs> girls would find me attractive and that I'd get into a relationship. That was the reason I started exercising. But today, that's not why I exercise. I don't exercise to have a six pack and to I'm I'm already married. I don't I don't need another relationship. I exercise because I know these gifts God have given me are not to be wasted. Mm-hmm. And this is in for example my ministry. This is how I'm reaching out to others to help others bring them bring their own health and 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 start working on themselves. So I think God has a way of shifting our desires, our core desires from ourselves onto him if we allow him to do that. Absolutely. I think that's that's core and you know, you gotta ask yourself, let's say I were to get a six pack, perfectly ripped body, let's say I have, you know, I'm the rock Johnson. And because I have gotten to that point, somebody now finds me attractive and wants to, you know, marry me. Well, one, you got to ask yourself, is that someone, is that the core? Is that what you want your foundation of your relationship to be on? How good you look. Number two, what happens if I have an accident or I stop working as hard and I lose all of that? If that's the draw, again, I'm not saying initial attraction is not important. Of course, that does have a lot to do with relationships. But if the major draw was the physical, what's going to keep us together if things turn away from that? You know, mm-hmm. that the, the core even of relationships, getting beyond the personal, it has to be Christ. That tie that binds has to be something much deeper than the physical. And, you know, speaking of relationships, exercise can significantly improve fellowship with other Christians or with your spouse if you're doing it together or if you're even if you can't do it at the same exact time kind of making it something that you both do like hey here's the number of uh here's how much time i spent on the treadmill here's the number of steps yeah, i took come today. try to beat me yeah right <laughs> it's just it can be fun because you know an active spiritual life can be exhausting you know when you're out in ministry when you're out doing bible studies going on missionary trips whatever it is you may be it can be exhausting how much better off would you be if your body was physically in control physically healthy adequate sleep adequate exercise it really makes the work of God much more practical. I can only imagine Paul was not a very heavy set man because of all of the the fact that he never sat around. He had things to do. He had work to do before he was his time came. Always moving. Always moving. Yes, sir. And Going there's so many miles. studies. Yeah, right. There's so many studies that show that partners who actually exercise together end up so much closer. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's a little bit of God's grace, too. When you exercise together, I don't know what it is, like, speaking neurologically, but they strengthen their bonds to each other. And psychological studies and so many other studies show that. Well, you know, I don't know much about the uh, the logic and the science behind it, but just speaking from, you know, a practical side of things, when is it that we speak to our spouses or, you know, our girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever it may be, when do we have conversations or activities that we do together? Well, most of the time, it's, you know, there's the private, intimate life that people have. Okay, that's there, but it's not really taking up the majority of our day. Most of the time, if you have kids, you have children, well, that takes up a huge chunk of your day. You have work, you may talk on the phone or text a little bit. Well, the only time that you really connect with people, usually one-on-one time, 
is whenever you're exercising, maybe going out and working in the gym. The kids don't want to be, they don't necessarily want to be out there for that. Um, and then the other time is, again, spiritual time. And I don't mean church. Church is where you're both listening. You're not really connecting to one another. You're connecting to God. But even sitting and reading the Bible together, mm-hmm. uh, singing right. worship songs together, you know, laying quietly together. And I mean, exercise is a great time to just sit there and be with that person and spend time together, which any healthy relationship needs. And the world gets so, so busy. You don't have many minutes like that. For most people, it's watching a show on Netflix or a television. What is that? I mean, yeah, you are sitting together. That's important. But there's no interaction going on. Your there brain is, just goes to the dead zone. Worst form of intimacy. <laughs> exactly. So I think exercise is a great one. And also the fact that with exercise, naturally by design of what it is, there's encouragement. There is, you know, mm-hmm. just where you're proud of the other person and you want to show them, look what I'm able. Oh my gosh, I just got up to, you know, you know, 80 pounds doing this. Wow, That's look fantastic, at you. Right. And exactly. you, you are, and you want to share that kind of thing with each other, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's that, that proud of our achievements together. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, you know what? To I have a really good quote to, to kind of summarize this entire call. It's by David Mathis. He's a pastor and he writes on Desiring God, um, that John Piper website. Mm-hmm. He says, as Christians, our final aim in bodily exertion is not weight loss or maximal long-term health. And it's definitely not physical appearance. Rather, we aim at a greater joy in God and greater love for our neighbor. What makes exercise holy and loving is that prayer that our energy or exercise will lead to our increased readiness to sacrifice ourselves to God and to others. That's a pretty, pretty good quote. I like it. At the end of the day, to summarize this entire call... When we exercise, why are we why are we doing it? Why are we working out in the first place? Are we doing it to glorify ourselves and to look better? And again, you can figure that out by asking why, 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 getting down to that core reason. If it is to glorify ourselves, we have to kind of take a first honest look at ourselves and submit that to God. Be like, no, Lord, I want to exercise because of these gifts that you've given me, because I want to be able to serve you better in my body and serve others better in my body. And to also be humble and grateful for these things that he's given rather than being proud that I am so great and I worked for this and I got this all myself. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add to that? No, I think I think it really well summarizes again. The prime motivator of anything in a Christian's life has to be Christ. And am I glorifying Christ? You can do all things, right? You can live... You know, whether you live, whether you die, whether you exercise, whatever you want to say, do all to the glory of God. And I think that's a that's a great quote to end on. Amen. And uh, last dad joke for you. What's the difference between Jesus and a pizza? Wow, that's a tough one. Uh, there's a lot of differences, but go ahead and tell me the joke. Let's hear it. <laughs> there's a few differences, but Jesus can't be topped. <laughs> oh, uh, gosh. That is a great, terrible one, but it was a great one. It's terrible. Yeah, use it with your kids sometime. I will do that. All right, man. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. And for those listening, join us next time.